Sylvia Tunery started her career in 2009 at Elle magazine in South Africa in trade and consumer marketing, managing campaigns for clients like Estee Lauder, Mr. Price and Clinique. She moved back to Kenya in 2012 and worked as the CEO of the Festival of African Fashion and Arts, FAFA. She was responsible for creating a market for East African fashion designers, both locally and internationally, and providing fashion training for young designers through FAFA. She's currently a project manager consultant for British Council's Creative DNA Project. She's responsible for planning and overseeing three major fashion and textile projects in East Africa. Like me, she's a farmer in her free time and the founder of a Kenyan honey brand called Marigat Gold. In addition to that, she has committed her time to mentorship to Kenya's youth in agribusiness and was involved in Safaricom's entrepreneurship program, Blaze Be Your Own Boss, for three years. Her mentorship focus is on value addition, branding, and market access. Sylvia studied marketing at USIU and has had the advantage of working from the ground up in the marketing field and in trade marketing to brand building. She has a master's in science in project management from the University of Salford in Manchester and is a Mandela Washington Fellow and was listed in Business Daily's Top 40 Under 40 Women in Kenya in 2018. In this episode, we discuss fashion and intellectual property and whether or not ideas are new versus outright copying. Sylvia tells me about how she got into the cottage industry with her brand Marigat Gold and the lessons she has learned on entrepreneurship and from working with women in Baringo who are honey farmers. We talk about failing bravely and an interesting story of a trade event she was participating in almost went south thanks to a glitch with a web domain. We talk about the importance of having reliable vendors and relationships in business, people who are empathetic to what you're doing. She's adamant about relationship building and she's a great advice for SMEs. She observes that Kenyans are very resilient and we should just definitely take advantage of this. Okay, so today we have Sylvia at our MSK podcast, our inaugural podcast uh, by the Marketing Society of Kenya in collaboration with EABL. Welcome, Sylvia. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Okay. So we've just met today, so I'm really, really excited to hear more about what you do because you wear so many hats. You know, you're an entrepreneur, um, you're in the marketing field, you worked in the fashion industry. So really love to hear what, you know, what lessons you have for us today. But just to get started, just give me a, you know, a snapshot of who Sylvia is and what you do. I am... A project manager uh, and a marketer. So I started my career in marketing in 2009 after graduating from USIU with a degree in marketing. Um, so my first job was in Johannesburg working for Times Media and at the time working for a fashion magazine. Initially started with consumer marketing and then moved to trade marketing. And then I moved back to Kenya and worked in the development sector, worked in the fashion sector, worked in the FMCG sector. So, but most interestingly worked for Festival for African Fashion and Arts, which was founded um, just after the post-election violence, just as a unifying factor, because there was a lot of negativity in the air. And we felt like there was a need to set up a fashion event that would bring not only fashion designers, but artists as well to one space and have people just come and enjoy beauty and just some positivity because it had been a very heavy period. Um, so since then, I then moved to working in agency building marketing strategies for selling alcohol <laughs> to agriculture produce to 
fashion. And then um, besides uh, my professional job as a marketing project manager, I am also an entrepreneur. Okay, so you actually studied marketing in university. Yeah. I think that's great. I think that's, you know, do you think that gave you like the foundation of all the different things you've been able to do today? Yeah, I, I think, you know, with marketing, you sort of have to have the fundamentals and the yes. basics. However, a lot of the stuff you learn on the job. So I think when I graduated, I was 100% certain that I was now ready to market the most amazing brands, international brands in the world. And then I got on the ground, Vitukwa ground ni different, <laughs> because I remember my first job, I, I don't know why I thought I'd be building strategy from week one at work but the reality was I was selling magazines and I had to do I think with marketing you have to somehow start from the very bottom of the food chain and I remember my first job was to go and sell subscriptions for a magazine in a mall and um, you know I used to think that was sort of lowly and that was very arrogant of me but then I think just to understand the business the fact that I had to interact with consumers understand what their needs were that was really important for me. So, Very important. Yeah. So yeah. from from selling subscriptions in a in a, in a magazine in in a, in a mall to actually wrapping subscription gifts and sending, so spending an entire week of wrapping gifts, I really didn't expect that. Yeah. yeah. And and you know, marketing is you know the strategic engine of any business or any brand, mm-hmm. and for you to have a really strong strategy that delivers business outcomes you have to understand the consumer Very true. so i think it's really important what you're saying that you are on the ground understanding what's happening mm-hmm. and then you had the marketing principles as your base and like we all know then you get into different jobs and you, you learn you learn as you go yes i, I think we're still learning yeah and that's why we're here today so back then you pivoted into you know or you you were working with a fashion magazine mm-hmm. then you came back to kenya and you're working with uh, fafa tell us more about fafa um, so Fafa, as I mentioned previously, was um, you know a fashion event set up to really lift the spirits just after the post-election violence of of a lot of people who, and and really bringing back beauty because we had seen a lot of ugliness in that period, and to just you know reminding people that there's still beauty in unity, diverse cultures, diverse creative talents coming in one space. So that started as one gala event bringing fashion designers from around East Africa, the rest of Africa and Kenya and um, really morphed into this fashion marketing platform for a lot of the fashion designers because creatives a lot of the time understand their craft but very few of them understand the business side of of, of of their creative businesses. So really Fafa then moved to sort of one was a support group because uh, every week we had a focus group uh, discussion at the Kiko Romeo store at Yaya Center where fashion designers really discussed about issues, the challenges they were facing in, in the fashion industry. And um, we brought in industry experts just to help them to build their businesses. And some of them said it was really important because uh, besides peer-to-peer learning, which is really important for any creative, um, at the same time, just to be heard because there was a lot of frustration at the time, very little money in the circulating in the market. And I think if you're working in silos, you're not really feeding off each other's energy. So that was really an important platform. Right. Um, and then secondly was just, you know, to provide. We started promoting their products on Facebook. So back then, from around 2008, we didn't have a lot of online shops, but we had Facebook. 
So it was, um, you know, just weekly promotions of different fashion designs and then a more physical space, which was uh, a monthly pop-up market at Juniper Kitchen in Westlands, just so that the their designers could sell their products. Okay. I, I want to ask you or, or discuss something a bit controversial in the fashion industry. Yes. Yeah. So we, you know, we've had over the years seen creative or designs or ideas lifted from Kenya, from Africans, and then sort of, I'm saying in quotes, exported, and then or you, they show up in other markets and they're commercialized and we're, you know, all up in arms saying, how could they do this? They stole our ideas. But I want to share a quote from the two strategists or, and creative directors I follow. They're consultants at a company called Genius Steels, Ro- Faris and Rosie Jacob. They state that ideas are new combinations and that nothing can come from nothing. But copying is lazy. They believe that the best way to innovate is to look at the best of that which came before and combine those elements into new solutions. Do you agree with that statement, Sylvia? I'll honestly have to play devil's advocate here. <laughs> I feel like just looking at the creative process of a lot of people and even the nature of fashion, nothing is ever truly new right. unless it's something... Or unique. Yeah, or mm. unique. Um, I think. I think we fashion designers and and other creative even music for example i think i think we draw inspiration from trends from our environment mm-hmm. and um if, even and if you talk about music if yeah. you look at music then and the sampling that happens yes. in music yes. which is also just saying it's a combination of that and this exactly. to create something yeah different exactly and yeah. um i i feel like there's outright copying, and I, I, you know, I won't mention some Chinese brands, one that starts with an S, but uh, you know, where they'll <laughs> literally take a product, a garment, and you know, tear it apart and then build it exactly the same. You know, that's very different. But then I feel like if it's just an inspiration and then you're adding your own brand fashion DNA into that, then I really don't see a problem with that. I think we can be a bit hypocritical that if the West takes a design, we are up in arms and and add on to it, we are up in arms. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I think Louis Vuitton did um, the Maasai blanket. Mm -hmm. And um, but even our own, you know, when Ankara there was there was this trend. Um, I'm laughing because I'm wearing Ankara today. Yes, <laughs> and it is a Western style cut jacket. Hundred percent Western style so cut. <laughs> are you judging me now? <laughs> I, I, I'm not really. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what 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 are you saying around that? Um, I I feel like you know there, there was a period where Ankara was um, extremely popular and still is, but then a lot of it. I feel like we started wearing it when we started adding Western cuts. Yeah. Or, um, initially, it was like, oh, that's too, that's too kitenge, like that's too traditional, traditional, not modern enough. Exactly. And mm. now we're wearing Ankara to the offices, but then in pencil skirts and 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 jackets and very Western cut. So I feel like if you're being inspired by a certain culture, it could be an African um, artisanal design, and then adding on to it, I don't see a problem with that. But with that said, I'm more in the business of fashion than the creative side of fashion. So I know fashion designers will have an issue with this, but then I, I feel like, you know, we're so it's all your point of view. It's your point of view, <laughs> yes. Sylvia. And let's talk about the business of fashion. Yes. What are you currently doing now <clears throat> to empower creatives in, in, to, in the business side? Yeah. Um, so I'm currently working uh, with the British Council. Um, so I'm a project manager, trained project manager. My master's was in. Um, project management with my dissertation really in risk 
uh, risk management for SMEs. And um, I'm currently working with the British Council on a project called Creative DNA, which is uh, providing business support for young fashion designers. And um, this is through, we take three different approaches. And the first one is business incubation. So providing business support for young designers. As I mentioned before, a lot of creatives will have a lot of experience in the creative process, but very little in the business side. So we provide um, very basic training in bookkeeping, um, how to do your taxes, how to register your business, pricing as well, a very basic introduction into pattern cutting. And then of course, digital marketing and more traditional marketing as well. The the second one is um, we do research into sustainable fibers. Um, there's all this talk right now. It's not really talk. It's 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 necessary conversations that are being had about climate change and um, fashion being one of the greatest contributors to to climate change and um, environmental pollution with all the landfills from mm-hmm. all our clothes. Even in Kenya, yes, we have all this mitumba, but then where do the clothes go after? The ones that are not sold, all the bills that are imported here, the ones that are not sold, what happens to them? Most of the time they'll end, it, end up in landfills or in our water sources. Um, and then of course, also synthetic dyes that go into our waterways. So really mm-hmm. fashion is such a great polluter of the environment. So we are currently doing some research into sustainable fibers and sustainable dyes from um, more natural sources like the backs of trees, leaves, mostly more traditional systems. If we if, if we look at it, Africans have been practicing sustainable uh, business practice for a while because all these synthetic dyes, I would say, were imported. Of right. course, due to trade, that's just the nature of trade that when borders open, there's inter-border trading and all of this. But then um, a lot of African artisanal practices have really been sustainable. So we're, we're doing a research on that. And then um, third is just basically providing business support, how designers can make money. So, um, you know, pop-up shops, setting up online shops and all of that. So do you have any good news stories that have come out of this business incubation? Yes, yes. We have a lot, uh, but um, I'll just pick a few. Um, so we did an online campaign called Wowzing, and you can see it online. And it was really, there's lots of fashion photo shoots that are very stereotypical. So it will be like in the African savanna. <laughs> But then we created this digital campaign with the fashion designers who are like, we're young people. We don't wear Maasai. I mean, nothing wrong with wearing a progressive look at yeah, more yeah, progressive look. Yeah. And um, and we d- we co-developed a campaign and we did the shoots in really with a Nairobi backdrop. So it is Matatus as a backdrop. Mm, the whole Matatu culture. The whole Matatu right. culture. Um, Uhuru Park, the whole enjoyment culture as well. Yes. Um, you know, where we spend our Sundays. Um, so we had Uhuru Park as, as one of our backdrops. And um, we came up with really contemporary, beautiful imagery. And um, so we promoted that. And some of our young designers, like um, We Are NBO, who does really beautiful jewelry. Epica, who does beadwork. So they were featured in Vogue Italia. And that really helped with their sales. So they are now exporting through their online platforms. So help them set up online shops, not really online shops, but then uh, just train them on how to sell on Instagram and Facebook. You know, more affordable channels, online yeah. channels of uh, for selling. So I think maybe three out of the eleven brands are now selling um, internationally, not on a large scale, but then 
they are getting orders abroad so that was that was really exciting for for the young fashion designers that's fantastic and it yeah. speaks to the impact of technology or yes. ac- uh, internet that yes. actually brings the world together yes yes and uh, you're talking about instagram and these days we shop, we buy clothes on Instagram, right? Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually wearing a dress from Kokio, which is an Instagram label. And I saw them online. And um, initially I would have, before pre-COVID, I would say, uh, I used to prefer to walk into a shop, have my measurements taken. If it's made to measure, I want them to get it right. And I really didn't trust online selling, <laughs> online yeah. shops as much. But then I saw this design and... I sent them, they were, like, they were like, go to your local fundi or get a tape measure and do it yourself. Take your measurements and then send it through. And then literally oh. seven days, my dress arrived in the mail and it, it fits. Let Not even in the mail, sorry. Let me tell you an to interesting my story. Yeah. My, I think, second time shopping on Instagram. I was going on holiday last year to the Kenyan coast. Mm-hmm. And when we're sitting in the taxi on the way to the airport in really bad traffic, and you, you know, I kept thinking, I've forgotten something. And I realized I hadn't packed my swimsuit. Oh, I'd, no. I'd washed it, put it to dry, and I hadn't picked it up from the line. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> so because traffic was so bad, I was on Instagram. And then I don't know why a swimsuit ad or whatever <laughs> page came up, a local shop. Yeah. I ordered it and I called them. I said, hey, can the rider meet me at Wilson Airport? At oh. this? And the guy came with my swimsuit. Look at that. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> Look at I was that. like, this is amazing. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Because before you would literally have to brave traffic, drive right. to Westlands or wherever it is right. to pick your swimsuit. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, re- it's phenomenal. Yeah. So you mentioned that you're also a startup founder. Yes. Tell me more about that. So I grew up in the village and I have always said that I'll go back to live in the farm. And Where's your village, <laughs> Sylvia? <laughs> so my village uh, is called Chepkolon in Kericho. Okay. Yeah. And um, I got married in Baringo. My husband is from Baringo. Okay. And um, so when I got married, I when driving home, we see a lot of women on the side of the road selling honey. So Baringo is abundant in acacia honey. It's High quality honey, beautiful acacia honey. honey. Yes, okay. acacia honey. Um, because, of course, honey depends on the flower that the bee is foraging on. Uh-huh. And um, the predominant tree in Baringo is acacia. Okay. So so that's why I would say I would call it acacia honey because it's really what the, the bee is feeding on. So, yeah, so you see all this really high quality honey, but then in really unattractive packaging. Uh, most of the time, it's um, upcycled old alcohol bottles. You work for EABL, so <laughs> at least you know your bottles are going to good <laughs> use. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. they, ha- they, they have a second life <laughs> beyond after, after uh-huh. the product is consumed. So I decided to build a brand because that's, that's what I have been doing for many years, building other people's brands, um, helping set up marketing strategies for selling products in the FMCG sector. So I decided, why don't I package honey, you know, a really attractive packaging that can compete with any international brand on the shelves. So I did my research and then decided to set up. So while I was doing that, I, you know, just the market research, speaking to buyers, speaking to supermarkets. And once I got the requirements, then I decided to set up the business. And um, I was extremely lucky that I think in life and in business specifically, you can build all the best strategies, but sometimes luck plays a critical role. Why do you say that? I, I was incubated at uh, Kiridi, Kenya Industrial Research and Development Institute. And I honestly didn't know about it until I met somebody who 
had been incubated there and um he's doing uh porridge for for babies uh it's called starry foods and he was like uh, why don't you get into incubated because i was asking him a lot of questions like you know what there's a one stop shop where you can get all these questions so i answered. don't call that luck sylvia mm-hmm. i call that you you know talking about what you're doing and the struggles you're having mm-hmm. to everybody and then getting people saying you know what i can connect you with this person i can connect you here so I think do we talk enough about what we're doing and the challenges we're facing? That's very true. That's yeah. very true because yeah. because um even mm. right now when people ask me for help, I'm very willing to offer it because I I struggled when I was starting out. Yes. Like you'd ask somebody something as simple as where do you buy your packaging or where do you print your labels and they'd they'd be extremely vague. So maybe you're right. You're actually right. It's yeah, just asking. About it. Actually, yeah. funny enough, just this past weekend, um, I went for uh, an event, a birthday party, and it's a lot of people that I didn't know, and a lot of younger uh, people, and um, and we actually decided to do something very interesting. So we said we're going to all stand up, introduce ourselves, and what we do, mm-hmm. and what uh, challenges we're facing with our businesses or our careers right now. Yeah. It was just a group of like 10 people and it was so amazing. Wow. That do we speak enough about what we're doing as entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. as startups, as professionals, as students? Um because what came out of that forum was somebody's like, "Oh, I'm also in this line." Yeah. Then people were just exchanging numbers. Wow. It was just brilliant. So I like what you're saying that you know you were then incubated by Kirdi yeah. as a result of this interaction you had yes. with somebody who had been through it yes um are there other government agencies or other technical support places that you know that helped you yeah so i got a, a, a certificate in beekeeping from the beekeeping institute um, i didn't even know there was such a thing <laughs> now you know <laughs> i know <laughs> now you the know the beekeeping institute yeah uh-huh. so the, the beekeeping institute that's where i got my certificate because um i think marketers they're probably they play the most important role in a business and you can build the most amazing product and if people don't know about it correct then, you know it's it's really pointless and for me to market my product efficiently i need to understand the entire value chain so it's very similar to me working for L magazine and going to sell magazines in a <laughs> in a mall i felt like i needed to understand the entire value chain of honey production so i started at the beekeeping institute getting the certification and then moving to kirdi and then just to understand and to get um so so with that they they give you government scientists actually to help you wow yeah so they'll help you with the processing so that the, the processing they'll get cabs to come and do the inspection there so that you understand all the tests that go into honey production right yeah so that was really important so you can get so your product is cab certified it's cab certified Fantastic. um yeah we've done all the all the tests and then another government agency that has played a really important role in my business has been keproba so the kenya export promotions and branding agency former brand kenya has okay. now rebranded to keproba and um they've provided a lot of support in b2b uh, marketing okay and um so th- currently i'm on alibaba for international wholesale wow. selling and so they facilitated you facilitated, getting listed yeah. there yes. that's fantastic i know a lot a lot of support they've been really uh, helpful and then um just as we speak i'm getting ready to go to the dubai expo uh, next week um nice. and they also facilitated with um shipping our products um so we shipped the products in June okay. um and now 
I'm headed to wear my sneakers and sell there on, you the, go. on the pavilion. And, and at the same time, um, they've set up deal rooms um, just so that we can speak to, because the entire world is there. So besides getting, getting market from um, the UAE, um, there's also from Europe and, and other other areas in the world. That so, is fantastic. Yeah, that's really so things important. seem to be going very well. However, can you tell me a time about when maybe things didn't go so well? And, you know, there's an element of maybe something didn't work the way you wanted it to work. Yeah. I think, you know, most entrepreneurs and and startup founders will tell you cash is king. And, you know, just when we started the business, when I say we is um, I started the business and then ran out of money and then approached my two sisters. So there's three of us. Uh, So myself, Sylvia, Lena and Joyce, we are three partners in the business. And um, we initially started by buying from smallholder farmers and... um, there was a drought in 2017, so we had done all this groundwork in acquiring customers, but then we struggled with the supply side. And because of that, um, we set up our own beehives just so that we have, but still it's not enough because it's huge demand for honey in Kenya. So we still buy from smallholder farmers, but then we set up our own beehives. I think when I started the business, I wish I had either saved enough or raised enough capital because sometimes you have a really huge order, but then you don't have the cash to even buy from from the smallholder farmers. So I think that has been one of the biggest lessons. And then on the lightest, on a, on a lighter note, but not really light because at the time I wanted the world to open up and, and swallow me whole. Um, I was <laughs> what happened? <laughs> I was lucky enough. I got into the Mandela Washington Fellowship um, Yali through the U.S. Embassy, and uh, through Mandela Washington Fellowship, I was invited to pitch for uh, investment for my business in in Johannesburg and. Um, at the Joburg Stock Exchange, actually. So that was such a big deal wow. through through a company called Lantec, which um, is a venture capital firm. And um, I remember as a marketer, got all my collateral ready. So developed a really beautiful brochure, did all my pull-up banners, all my business cards. And um, just like many startup founders, I approached a relative to set up my website, which was really very simple landing page with, <laughs> with our contacts. And um, so I did not have any control over that. And um, so the domain was expiring. <laughs> it was coming to an end and um, we somehow didn't pay on time or rather he didn't inform me. So I have printed all this information with our website information. And then three days before we leave, my brother calls me and he's like, um, have you gone on your website? And I'm like, what do you mean? And then he's like, it's showing adult content. Oh my gosh. And this was three days before I traveled to Johannesburg and all my all this stuff is printed. All my stuff is printed with a website. Right. Information on it. And of course, I panicked. I cried. <laughs> and I called That's him and, and he's like, yeah, you know, sorry. But yeah, we, we let it lapse and, and, and a Chinese company has taken over the, the site and you can't get it back. And it was marigatgold.com at the time, mm. which is, you know, not even .co.ke. Which was so how did you manage that <laughs> at the, I'm so curious, about the, <laughs> at the event? <laughs> So I called my brother-in-law, who is a web developer, and, you know, he told me, he was like, there's no way we can get it back. But what we can do is set up a new domain name. So we moved it to marigatgold.africa, which actually helped because now... So we set up the <laughs> marigatgold.africa, but I had all this marketing collateral that I had printed. And I love working with Kenyans. If I can compare, not to hate on South Africa, but then the processes there, the red tape is crazy. 
it's hectic in South Africa. Mm. If you had to print something, they'll tell you, yeah, minimum seven working days. But I called my printer who was like, he really empathized and he's like, we'll just change everything and we'll okay. reprint. Okay. And we did that in 24 hours. Wow. And I remember I picked up the very last thing, which was the pull-up banner, about six hours before my flight. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it worked out. <laughs> so you moved with speed? We moved with speed. And yeah, as much yeah. as yeah, you, you felt the pain, but you went into action and y said, I can fix this. Yes, so I would say that was... But what lesson did you learn from that, Sylvia? Um, I think the lesson I learned from that was, I think, teamwork, getting the right team. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, I had this web developer who was ready to change everything. Yeah. And I, and great I think attitude. Very great attitude. And then, of course, my printer who and, and, and yeah. the designer who empathized. And I think... And Obviously, I think you had a great relationship. That's the thing. I, I think I had built trust over time. Yes. And, um, you know, it's all about human relationships a lot of the it time. Is. It boils down to that. And, and I'm glad that I had the foresight to... Not um, even foresight. I think I think it's just in my nature to, to build relationships in, in, and especially in marketing. You've been in marketing. Yes. And, and you understand how... You have to be very agile in your strategy, formulation yes. and creation and even... I, I just had a brain freeze. Um, <laughs> no, it's okay. Yeah. So, so, so it's, yeah, it's important to have those relationships, like yes. you said, build strength, attitude. Yes. You know, we, we have... We have this saying that we hire for attitude versus aptitude. Very true. Aptitude is important, yeah. but if somebody has a wrong attitude, imagine if, you know, somebody had said, no, we're not going to do this. It's too, it's too much stress. Yeah. You know, but yeah. no, the attitude was, we can fix this. Yes. Let's do this. Yes. Yeah. A and I think a lot of the small businesses in Kenya, a lot of the SMEs, I find the ones I ha that I have worked with have a really great attitude. That's why I say Kenyans are very resilient, so what, very we, hard working. We are very resilient. Yeah. That's something kills our spirit. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's a conversation for another day. <laughs> so um, other than that, you also run a podcast. Tell yes. me about that. At, at the beginning of last year, my partner and I, we, so, so if you look at a lot of brands, either luxury brands or brands that have stood the test of time, brands that have been around for 100 years, the one thing they have in common is really strong t storytelling. Yes. Um, and even in the fashion industry, if you look at brands like Chanel, Gucci, um, all these really big brands, sometimes, you know, the, the definition of luxury will change. But the one thing that never changes, their strong storytelling. Yes. And um, of course, having a marketing background, I had been listening to podcasts. And then I decided, you know what, why don't why don't I set up my own podcast studio? Because there was demand for it. And um, so my partners and I uh, were in, you know, different businesses. But then we all wanted to tell our stories. So I... Me in value addition, agricultural value addition and fashion, him in the tech space and okay. and our third partner in the development space. The one thing we had in common was we wanted to tell our story so that 50 years from now, people can understand the journey of our businesses. So we set up a podcast studio called Trio Media. And um, once we imported the equipment um, and, and, you know, did some market research, we realized that there's a lot of young people who want to tell their stories, especially during the COVID period when people are had a lot of time in their hands yes and and a lot of introspection a lot of um time to create content and we opened it up to other podcasters and you know now we have close to 14 in-house podcasters who are who are recording oh that's fantastic with us. yeah and, and what's the business model if i want to come and record a podcast there how does that work um so it's very simple we have a, a subscription fee of four thousand shillings a month which is really affordable for all you can record Okay. So if you want to record 
daily, <laughs> which we don't encourage because you yeah, have that's quite a lot. It's a lot, and and I think and I think just to put up really good content, you have to strategize and yeah. and, and develop it. So so it's four thousand all you can record, um, but the reality is a lot of them are recording weekly, and I think in a week we have twenty six slots. And, and then, what's the name of that podcast? Um, Trio Media. So T R. No, the the actual show. Upside down, the the one for okay. about business is upside down. Yes, about so, the business. Yes, stories. so it's upside down. It's about failing fast enough, actually. Okay. Yeah, I'd because, love to go listen. Yeah, uh, because as an entrepreneur, really, the analogy of that we build planes while we're in the plane flying, <laughs> it's, it's true. Because you know, you learn a lot of things. And a, there's nothing wrong go. with dreaming, huh? Yes. Yeah. Yes. In <laughs> fact, uh, w- which startup founder locally would you say you admire? I think it would be Wandia Gishuru of uh, Vivo. Vivo Active. Yes. Um, Vivo, actually. She builds high quality mass market product that is affordable and attainable to yes. all of us. Yes. And it's it's really basics. If you look at it, it's your well-stitched little black dress. Yeah. Actually, I'm wearing a Vivo right now. I'm oh, wow. <laughs> pants I'm wearing, which are so comfortable. Yes, yes. Um, And I like the fact that her clothes fit all of our African sizes. Exactly. Comfortably. <laughs> yes. And I can wear it casually over the weekend yes. or to the office like today. Yes. So I'm a big Vivo fan. Yes, yes. Big, 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 big <laughs> one. And, and, and I, I don't know if by saying this, she'll send me some clothes. <laughs> Hopefully. And me too. <laughs> one dear, please send us some clothes. Um, yeah. So I, I, think, I think just her marketing strategy has been right. Her expansion as well. It's the new Nakumat. You can you can find a Vivo. <laughs> you can find a Vivo close it, it, to you. On the good side, yeah. On the In good terms side, of her, yes. Of the way she's her route to to consumer is yes, really great. Yes, and just how she pivoted during COVID and set up an online shop. Yeah. Which is Shop Zetu, and um and you know it's active wear, so you can and lounge wear, so you can wear it at home. So I, I really look up to one dear. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Tell me that one book that you think every marketer should read or what should marketers be reading to stay ahead of the game? I would encourage marketers to read more fiction. Fiction? Yes. Okay, why is that? (laughs) I feel like when you read fiction, you're a lot more creative. And I think there's a need... um, you know, not to hate on on us Kenyan marketers because I'm one of them. But then I, I feel like there needs to be a lot more creativity in our copy for our ads, for our for our uh, digital communications. And I feel like you get that from reading diverse genres of writing because it's it's easy to pick up a marketing book and, you know, read the principles of marketing or yeah. you know, what's trending and all of that. Um, but I think I think we need to read more fiction so that we're more creative in our marketing as well. Okay. So which marketing campaign have you seen in the last 12 to 18 months that you could say is truly award-winning locally or globally? So this one straddles both local and, and global. So okay. it uh, Kipchoge's No Human is Limited yes. um, campaign. Yeah, I absolutely love that one. And, and, you know, there's one line, he says that any human being can go beyond his limits and most importantly, beyond his thoughts. And, you know, that really spoke to me. It's not just in running. I'm not the greatest runner, but but I think in, we can apply to any aspect in life, especially if you're building brands and in the marketing space. I think, you know, who sets the limits anyway? It's really going, fighting your inner demons to build something. 
and and to achieve something and and um that campaign really speaks to me because um I was just reading something by a marketer called Derek Thompson and he says he talks about the power of familiarity and that we're more drawn to products stories faces that seem familiar and I think this Kipchoge is no human is limited campaign I saw people who look like me who talk like me and um I think sometimes you look at if it's a brand out there you know you're like okay fine you know I need I need to achieve certain things to be on a billboard in Times Square but then now it's somebody from our village of course I'm biased because I'm from the Rift Valley specifically but even as a Kenyan it was amazing to see someone who looks like me achieve so much and you know it was also a very emotional campaign that tells real human stories that you know he came from I wouldn't call it nothing but he just overcame the limits in his own mind to be the best in the world to run a under 2 hours marathon and I think yeah it's just the power of familiarity and the emotional connection that I had with that campaign you said it so well yeah that campaign was was amazing like yeah. you said emotional connections he showed us um the resilience that is needed and I think it's inspired not just Kenyans a lot of people around the world. Yes. So yes. that that's a really good one and we we talked about that campaign also in another podcast oh, okay. with Yeah, <laughs> it's interesting with uh Anjoy who is our acting marketing director at EABL because yeah. she got she had the chance to actually meet with him. Wow. And and she had she has so much nuggets and wisdom that she shared on that podcast. Yeah. Um so yeah, that's that's a really good one. And uh, just to just to add something um I think it was also so amazing to see the support that he got. Yes, it was an international campaign, but at the same time, you know Safaricom they sponsored the hashtag and for the duration of the of the run we had I think free data. We had free data. We yeah. watched it on YouTube. Yes. For free. So and I was in Kericho and I, the streets were empty because everybody was indoors watching, watching. that campaign and, ah. and it's just it's so powerful if th- if you think about it yeah. yeah and it's amazing because i think uh, and then now when when they went to the olympics and he was you know one of the leading athletes of team kenya and we were so fortunate as Tasca was able to support them yes. and sponsor them. Yes. And from what I've understood, he's been providing a lot of, you know, support to the athletes in terms of not just business uh, thinking, but even just how do you show up as an athlete? Yes. What is your personal brand? Mm-hmm. Um, what are your values? So all around um, amazing, inspirational person that we all look up to. Yeah. And just to go off on a little tangent, I'm sure you know this, but the Tasca uniform <laughs> was the best um, well <laughs> you said it i <laughs> myself and a hundred thousand other kenyans on twitter <laughs> thank you sylvia <laughs> no, we thank the designers uh, I'll, ha- I'll have to get the names of the designers and yes. put it in the podcast <laughs> so that people can go and take a look at it yeah last parting shots from you sylvia you know just as i mentioned before i think the, the best quality that you can have as a marketer is really agility because you know things change so fast trends happen so fast and i'm so glad that we now have social media that we don't have to go too far i remember when i started my career in 2009 in johannesburg we waited for nilson to do a trends report and they would do it, i think quarterly so imagine waiting <laughs> that long for, <laughs> for to find out what the latest trend is so i'm glad that i'm in the social media age and the digital age that you can so easily find your trends and yeah. and that supports the agile nature of marketing and um yeah just as i said before you know this covid period taught us a lot and you know just setting up the podcast studio and at the same time just to do 
you know, simple format of storytelling, at the same time setting up an online shop for our products. I think really digital has been a godsend for us. Yeah, so marketers. now you can reach the world. Your yes. stories can reach the world, yes. your podcast stories. Yes. Your product can go anywhere in the yes. world. Yes. Absolutely. And yeah. you can read the consumer. You we talked about consumer understanding. Yeah. You can get those reads more frequently yes. than waiting for, you know, a quarter. Yes. Fantastic. Yeah. That's how marketing and technology come together. Yes. All right. Thank you so much, Sylvia. Thank you for having me. Wait, before you go, I want to know, what Uh is your all-time favorite song? (laughs) My all-time favorite song is Come Away With Me. Uh, Nora Jones. Oh, yeah, cause nice. Because I, <laughs> I mentioned before that I'm a I'm a village girl at heart, and um, when Nairobi gets too hectic, too noisy, I retreat to you know when I listen to this song, I, it it really takes me to meadows and and fields and and quiet and yes, and that's, that's important. Yes. Sometimes we always need just some calm. Yes, to recharge. Yes, to recharge. Great. Thank you very much, Sylvia. Thank you. All right.